this episode of the 2x e-commerce podcast show, I speak with the founder and digital marketing lead of a publishing company that sold over 600,000 copies of a personalized children's storybook in just two years. And they've got sales now totaling about $15 million. They also had the highest ever valuation on Dragon's Den, the UK equivalent of Shark Tank. Do stay tuned. Welcome to the 2X e-commerce podcast show, where we interview founders of fast-growing seven- and eight-figure e-commerce businesses and e-commerce experts. They'll tell their stories, share how they 2X their businesses, and inspire you to take action in your own online retail business today. And now, here he is, the man in the mix, Kunle Campbell. On today's show, I have with me Asi Sharabi and Dipesh Mandelia of Lost My Name. I've, I, I'm so looking forward to this conversation. I've been, it's been in the pipelines for months, um, for good reason. You'd find out. I'll tell you a bit about Lost My Name, and then I'll introduce um, Asi and Dipesh, and they, they'll introduce themselves. Um, Lost My Name is a London-based digital publishing and e-commerce startup that has sold close to six hundred thousand copies in a single of a single personalized t- book titled The Little Boy or The Little Girl Who Lost His or Her Name to 136 countries in just three years. They had the highest ever valuation on Dragon's Den. For our US listeners, Dragon's Den is the UK equivalent of um, Shark Tank. And um, they've grown by a staggering 1,500% in a single year. They refer to their business as a full stack business, which is quite interesting, which means they're vertically integrated. Um, so they they control the books themselves, the creative of the books themselves. They publish the books themselves. They they manufacture, market, and distribute the books direct to to consumer. They're D two C. Um, they they're zero inventory company, meaning that they, every single book is uniquely printed on demand. And um, they recently completed a series A round of fundings with them. Um, I think Google Venture and a couple of other um, other investors. They raised about nine million dollars as a result. Now, I'll talk about Ashi. Ashi is the co-founder and CEO of um, Lost My Name. He's a father of three children. He has a PhD and has worked in London School of Economics. He then moved to marketing, took on a role as managing director at Sidekick Studios, an agency that helps enterprise-level organizations innovate like startups and solve problems that matter. And then he moved on to startup um, Lost My Name. Depeche is a father of four he leads performance marketing at Lost My Name. He's responsible for digital and traditional media channels, and he's helped grow book sales from 200 books a day to 7,500 books with a strong ROI. Um, so, yeah, I would like to to welcome you both to the show. It's a pleasure to have you on the 2X e-commerce podcast show. Hi, guys. Hello. Hi. Hello. Hi. Could you take um, a, a minute or, or two to, 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 to tell our listeners a bit about yourselves? I'll start out with Depeche. Hi. Um, so, yeah, I joined uh, Lost My Name last year. Um, we were quite early on in our growth. Um, you know, my background is um, actually in tech, in technical development, uh, moved into marketing um, just around 10 years ago. Um, and, you know, I think this is now my fourth startup um for my sins and thoroughly enjoying the journey so far 
Great stuff, great stuff. It's good to have you on the show, Tipesh. And, and Ashley, please, could you take a, a minute to, to tell our, our listeners about yourself, please? Thank you, Kunle. Uh, yeah, my name is Asi. I'm uh, one of the early guys at Close My Name. Uh, together with uh, three friends, we founded this uh business just about three years ago. Uh, it was never really meant to be a business. It started just as a uh, creative uh, side project for us uh, between our uh, day jobs and kids and what have you. And uh, yes, we're still quite surprised. We're still pinching ourselves every day we get into the office uh, when we see what had happened to this uh, to this little project of ours. It's fascinating because, um, you know, growth, fast growth, what businesses, e-commerce businesses or digital businesses are doing in the space of three years. Um, yeah, what you guys have done in three years and, and a couple of other companies I've spoken with, it's it's just fascinating in terms of how it works, the growth mechanism. And, and I'm hoping we would, would dig deeper to, to find out exactly how you guys have, you know, managed to, to grow this fast and, you know, th- th- this well. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, could you tell us a bit about the genesis of, of Lost My Name? Yeah, so Lost My Name started really, as I said, as a, as a side project between friends. Uh, it started when I received for my daughter, who's uh, nearly seven now, um, one of these personalized books that uh, apparently had been in the market for over 40 years. We saw the product. It was it was quite underwhelming, um, you know, apart from... Uh, Seeing, you know, apart from that kind of warm and fuzzy feeling of seeing my daughter's name in a book, uh, there was very little value uh, beyond that. Uh, and, and as I said, we learned that uh, the idea of personalized books had been in the market for over 40 years, but they were never really taken seriously as a, uh, as a creative canvas or uh, definitely not as a technology playground that we are looking at it. So we just took a pound. We said, hey, this is something interesting. Um, can we do something better than that? Uh, we started it with Taloron, my uh, good friend back from the days in Tel Aviv, uh, and a creative technologist uh, and a production guy, and uh, David Kajinubi, who is the author of uh, of the books and, uh, and a co-founder and partner in the business. Uh, we quickly found uh, Pedro Serapicus, the visual artist and uh, a partner in the business, and we started this uh, this journey of trying to make a simply a better product uh, to the market. Right. So you're four co-founders, if I, if I got that right. Uh-huh. And um, is everybody still on board um, with, with the company? Yeah, absolutely. On? Fantastic. Okay, good stuff. Okay, let's, let's um, talk about where you are now and what you're kind of most excited you know, about. So you, you started in, in 2012 in, in Private Alpha, and um, today in 2015, you sold close to 600,000 books. Could you sort of chart the, the journey um, on, on a year-by-year basis? What did 2013 look like? What did 2012 look like? What did 2013 look like? What did 2014 look like? And what is 2015 planning out to, to, to be? Mm-hmm. Um, so in 2012, uh, we were uh, we just effectively created uh, pretty manually uh, about 100 books uh, for a in, in a in private alpha uh, setup. Uh, it was purely to create uh, idea and uh, whether there's any, any demand, uh, whether people will recept, uh, be receptive to the idea of uh, of what we we're trying to do. 
that went uh, very, very well. We got uh, a fantastic feedback from the people that uh, got the books. And then we just went kind of heads down and started to create more and more assets uh, so we can fulfill more books. How did you test? How did you find these people? Uh, we simply put uh, uh, just a word out there on, on Twitter. We we said like, hey, we've got this idea. You know, we used one of these uh, simple, I think it was Kickoff Labs, okay. which allowed you to create these custom uh, landing pages, a very simple page with some analytics behind it. Um, we just uh, effectively told people what we're doing. We have this idea. Uh, here is the, uh, the storyline. Here's how we want to go about it. If you're interested, just uh, leave us your name. And, and we'll get back in touch. And we had about uh, 400 signups. Wow. Uh, out of which we could uh, only fulfill about uh, 30% of the names because it, uh, you know, back then we only created a, probably about a dozen of uh, story letters. And, but that was enough for us to uh, go about, and as I said, in a very kind of uh, manual way to uh, go and, and make uh, these books for the first 100 people. Okay. Um, that gave us a very positive signal that we are uh, we're onto something, uh, and there was enough evidence for us or enough validation for us to say, uh, okay, let's uh, let's keep uh, let's keep going. And as I said, we went kind of uh, heads down. By that point, by the way, we didn't write a single line of code. Uh, it was all very, very manual. Uh, it was purely some story. The, there wasn't any front end. There wasn't any uh, any back end. But after the validation of the first hundred books, we said like, right, let's let's invest. That that basically unlocked more resources. We were still in a you know we, we it didn't even cross our minds to leave our jobs at this uh, at this point in time. Uh, it was still very much a uh, just a, just a creative side project. Mm-hmm. But moved on to build the very first iteration of the of the website uh, and a very crude kind of back end. And we launched in, uh, as I said, public beta, April 2013. Okay. Uh, nothing really happened until about October this year. Uh, as soon as we were live, we sold about, I don't know, a couple of hundreds of books every month. Nothing to write home about. Still exciting because, you know, there was demand. Uh, had you so- left your job at the time? No. Okay. No. All right. It was no. a side project. Okay. Yeah. Uh, no, it was only a year later that we, uh, okay. that we left our jobs. Um, and... You know, back then, as soon as we launched, the main, I guess, marketing activity was uh, myself talking to at 5 a.m. in the morning before the kids wake up to uh, mommy bloggers all over the world, uh, <laughs> trying to get their attention. And um, and we actually got uh, featured in some of uh, really influential uh, blogs from, from, from the USA. And then came Christmas. Uh, and that took us quite a surprise. Um, we partnered with notonthehighstreet.com uh, around uh, October 2013. And uh, I remember around the end, uh, towards the end of October, they, uh, they called us and say, hey, we, we're thinking of uh, putting your, your books on our weekly newsletter. Uh, and as I said, back then we were at a, at a rate of about 200 books a month. Okay. I'm, uh, I'm just going to explain to our US listeners, um, Not on the High Streets. Not on the High Streets is a UK. Um, it's, it's a marketplace for really unique items. It's e-commerce. So it's, it's kind of like um, an eBay, but um, for, really th- for really unique items in the UK. Sorry, please go ahead. Thank you. So we started on, uh, we, 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 you know, we got our product page there and they gave us a heads up that they're going to uh, put us on their weekly newsletter. 
uh, and we sold 1500 books in one weekend. Wow. Uh, and that was, uh, that took us quite by surprise. Uh, <laughs> in one weekend we've done what we've done in the previous four months since we launched. And then in November we ended up selling about 15,000 books. Um, okay. so, uh, it just picked up. It was the right time, uh, holiday season, uh, and we started to sell a lot both on not on the as well as uh, direct with us. And we ended up the year with about 22, 23,000 books in sales. Okay. That gave us again, uh, uh, you know, another very strong evidence that there is a product market fit here. And early last year, early 2014, we started to look for some, uh, some seed capital, uh, and we raised, 500k from the likes of forward partners a few brilliant angels and as you mentioned uh from uh Pierce Lini on the dragons den show um and it was only in about april 2014 that uh when as soon as we uh raised the 500 seed capital we uh we left our jobs and we started to uh run this business uh full time Interestingly enough, we targeted uh, about 100,000 books uh, on our second year. We, we were hoping for a, around 4 or 5x growth, uh, and we ended up uh, selling about 325,000 books in, Phenomenal. in, in 2014. Okay. And again, kind of you know, pretty similar. We had a uh, we had a, uh, a a brilliant Q4. We sold a lot of books that again gave us you know more confidence uh, that this can really go uh, global. Um, and we started early this year the conversation around the proper kind of Series A round uh, with the ambition to uh, continue to scale up the business globally and to have uh, enough capital to build a proper R&D operation uh, that will help us to launch more, uh, more products in the future and to expand uh, our, our uh, kind of, you know, global rollout. Effectively, the, you know, the aim of the run was to help us to go uh, faster, bigger, Okay, because I, I was, I was, I, you know, you're essentially, you know, um, a, a one product business at the moment. I know there, mm-hmm. the the things in the pipeline, there projects in the pipeline. So, what does are we expecting something new this Christmas? Because obviously, you, we can sense a trend where you know Christmas is a good time for for sales, especially for gifts. So, should we expect anything new? Should we expect more lines of products, or are you going to take it one product at a time? Um, I think that we are, you know, we're hoping to be able to commit ourselves to a new product uh, once a year. We don't have any ambition to have, uh, you know, dozens and dozens of products. I think that if you look at uh, uh, existing kind of publishers of personalized books, they operate in a very, very different uh, way than us. They have, uh, you know, a couple of, at least three dozens of, uh, of books. Again, quite, quite kind of uh, lightweight in terms of the execution, in terms of the uh, the actual storytelling, the illustration. Uh, we really keen to. I think it's about creating a market, uh, creating a new market. We validated that uh, there is a demand for uh, beautifully executed, uh, personalized entertainment for children. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's quite a few surprises in the pipeline, as you said. Okay, we'll, 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 we'll stay tuned. I will keep an eye. We're fans. Tivesh, um, just bringing you in, um, 
when when did you start um, working in Lost My Name? Um, so I started initially um, just kind of helping out around, I think it was early April last year. Early April. Um, and it was kind of just really to review marketing channels, um, analytics, and conversion rate on the site um, and to just give some insights and kind of help help the team to kind of better understand what was working and, you know, help to help to try and find uh, growth levers. Um, so there wasn't really too much of an expectation uh, beyond just kind of giving some advice and input. Okay. And, and how has it evolved over the, the last um, year and just over the last 15 months? Yeah, it's evolved massively. I mean, I actually um, was only around for a few months. Um, I left um, to join another company um, and I rejoined permanently in November. And, you know, between that time, uh, we had managed to find a growth lever. And, you know, the guys that lost my name had really pushed that uh, quite hard. Mm-hmm. Um, by the time we hit Q4, you know, things were really rolling along. And, you know, as he's mentioned, two years worth of research and product marketing fit that kind of went in to the product before then. And it's mm-hmm. quite easy to forget that that groundwork was already in place for us to really push on last year in terms of sales. Okay, we're going to talk about growth levers shortly, very soon, because uh, I'm quite curious to to figure out if the growth levers come from um, the product itself, from which is from personal experience, or from from marketing, social, or p- perhaps even both. Okay, um, let's let's touch base and go back to to raising funds, um, Asi. Um, so your your, your crunch base, pla- you just alluded to to the fact that um, you raised five hundred thousand um, pounds from Ford Partners. What was your journey um, towards actually convincing Ford Partners to raise um, you know that much money? Um, at least publicly, it takes two hundred and fifty thousand from from my end. But but what was what was the drive? How did you you know sort of um, say okay, right now we need funding and um, we're going to approach Ford Partners. And um, the, what were your steps towards actually raising capital for the business? Uh, it's an interesting question. I think that if I I, I haven't seen it for uh, in over a year, but I'm sure that if I will, if I look at my, my uh, very first uh, pitch deck, I will absolutely cringe. Um, it was you know my very very first experience of uh, of raising capital. Uh, I could want to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I guess that we, you know, when, when we started talking to forward partners, uh, as I said, it was after selling about 22, 23,000 books. Uh, if you do the math, that's around uh, just over 400,000 pounds in revenue. Wow. Okay. Um, and, you know, to be honest, I think that this is what uh, opened doors. Uh, whatever it is that you're doing, if you're coming to... Um, to a uh, capital raising conversations with uh, with a product market fit or with enough evidence that uh, you're onto something, it makes things so much easier than to try to convince people about uh, you know about an idea. And and I, and I think that uh, and perhaps this is something which we should have mentioned. Uh, while it was you know predominantly a, a, a just a creative side project. Um, for both uh, myself and, and, and Tal, uh, my co-founder, it was very much an experiment in uh, in lean startup. It was very much an experiment of uh, can we can we do something good and try to ship it on the internet uh, and see see how it moves. Does this um, connect to your side day to your days at Sidekick Studios? Is it quite you know um, were you taking the the methodologies you you know um, sort of the methodologies they they you know worked 
to the, the lean methodology at, at Sidekick Scott Studio and applying it to, to your side project? Exactly, exactly. Uh, back then at Sidekick, uh, we were hugely influenced by uh, everything Lean Startup and you know Eric Ries's book, and which kind of just started to do the rounds here in London after uh, uh, getting a lot of traction in the Valley. Um, and at Sidekick, we you know we felt that uh, we were part of this, uh, we're part of this new movement. Um, so it was quite natural for uh, for us to think along. Uh, the lines of these kind of principles and it was an interesting uh, exercise in applying these lean uh, methodologies and principles for a product that lives on the section of digital and physical okay. uh, and we were quite keen to you know to, to explore you know what does it mean uh, what is an MVP a minimum viable product in the context of a physical product uh, how do you go about how do you validate the demand how do you uh, Walk up from you know problem solution fit to a product market fit. So and, and and pretty much since then, that you know these these principles uh, remain at the core of of everything that we do. Given the fact that there was there was a product market fit, and um, you were very much in you know the the lean methodology mindset was was Ford Partners or were the people in Ford Partners also of of a lean methodology mindset, and did you speak the same language? Absolutely. Uh, that was exactly the case. I think that uh, what appealed to them is that, you know, we came with this lovely creative uh, uh, project and product for children. Uh, but, you know, behind it was a very rigorous process uh, that kind of adheres to these uh, uh, lean startup methodologies. So we, we completely on the same page. And I think that they were uh, quite fascinated by the way that we uh, went about and moved from uh, uh, I guess you can say from a product uh, uh, product solution fit to a product market fit, mm. and you know coming with an evidence of twenty two thousand uh, paying customers and over four hundred thousand pounds in revenue, it was a it was a pretty smooth uh, fund. Okay, so so your journey before that, um, how much mo- how much did you put into the business? Uh, we put about thirty five k. Uh, in total, uh, of our own money before we started to uh, see any return. Generating that much sales because you, you about twenty two thousand pounds worth of was it twenty two thousand pounds worth of sales over that period for for thirty five k in was not bad at all. Not at all. Not bad at all. Okay, and then you moved on to to Dragons Den, um, guys, it's Shark Tank of in in the UK, um, in the US. So so um, you, you moved into Dragons Den. What was your transition into Dragons Den, and why did you? Was it strategic? Was it for publicity, or did you genuinely really want their money? Um, well, kind of all of the above. It was interesting because the, when the when the guys at the Dragons at the BBC called us, we were literally towards the end of the round. We were oversubscribed, uh, and I was uh, quite surprised that they uh, allowed us to act or invited us to the show. When I told them, "Look, our equity is absolutely fixed. We cannot really uh, come to the show and and, and negotiate anything." Mm-hmm. Um, and I say, "Hey, you know, we like the products, and our number one rule for the show is that it's your business." You can do whatever you want. You can ask for however much money you want. You can put any valuation that you want. It's your it's your game. Uh, so you, you're completely eligible to come on the show. Wow. Uh, and 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 obviously because of that, and we say like you know what's the worst that can happen? Uh, you very rarely get uh, to about you know seven or ten minutes of prime time TV uh, with your product. So you know it's not something that you can uh, you can say no to. 
we came with absolutely zero expectations. If you think about it, you know, normally people are coming to the show asking for, let's say, 50K for about 20% of the business. Mm -hmm. And if they're lucky, they end up getting the money but are parting for about 30% of the business. Um, in our case, we came to the show and asked for 100K for 4% of the business, which was completely unheard of in the context of the day. And, um, and we ended up uh, taking it. I guess the Chiuslini, uh, I guess unsurprisingly, because he's the only kind of uh, proper techie in, uh, in that group, he saw the potential, he liked the product, he liked us, and he, um, he, he just jumped on it. Um, is is Pear Pe still active in, in Lost My Name? Um, yeah, as much as, uh, as much as he can, uh, we talked quite regularly, less operational, I would say, uh, but he always lent a good advice. Okay. Okay. So, okay. And what, what kind of role does he, does he play? I guess just as a kind of generalist advisor, uh, I would, I would call it this way. Okay. Okay. Now, um, let's step back into the BBC Dragon's Den. Um, it was an inbound inquiry you, you didn't go out there hustling for for um for for for, for an appearance on, on the show but what had you done to, to more or less improve your exposure to to attract um the bbc to, to to come in and you know invite you on the show despite your position on on a fixed equity and oversubscribed um so given the fact that you're oversubscribed well, interestingly enough, uh, it was some good few months before that that I was just at a dinner party, and uh, you know we were just after the uh, this kind of closed beta, um, and somebody told me, "Hey, you guys should go on Dragons Den," and I was like, hmm, "Okay, that sounds like a good idea." And literally at, at that point, I took off my mobile, uh, got, got, kind of went onto the Dragons Den site, and 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 made application. And then completely, completely forgot about it until uh, about three, four months later, um, I'm getting a phone call from, from the producer. He said, like, hey, we want to get you on the show. Nice. Uh, if we ever applied to the show, but um, it was a good surprise. Fantastic. And what's been the impact of, of TV on, 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 on growth of Lost My Name? Um, because he, he probably remembers the, uh, the, 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 the actual numbers, but I, I remember it's been, it, it wasn't, it wasn't transformational for us. Uh, it was, we were already on a, uh, a quite solid, uh, growth trajectory. Um, but, uh, I, I think that the, uh, the, the long term effect, uh, from a, publicity and just awareness levels uh, is something which we're, we're probably kind of still enjoying. I mean, we're still talking about it in that context, in the same context. And, you know, um, I, I remember when I spoke with, with Nick, um, a PR person, um, just the mention of Dragon's Den just was an anchor point for me. Mm -hmm. I say, okay, I know the brand, you know, I, 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 I remember you guys. Because I remember that evening, Depeche, what was the impact? Because I, I was hanging out on Twitter at the time. And um, I think I actually made a comment and I was like, um, you know, your website hadn't actually crashed. Um, Depeche, what was the impact in, in acquisition that day? Did, did you, were they loads of sales that day? Was it more like a, a burst or, um, and how long did the burst actually, you know, last for Sure. Um, I can I can remember the day quite vividly. It was quite surreal. Um, you know, we were invited into the office. It was a Sunday evening. Um, it was nice and sunshiny outside. Um, and we kind of sat down. The tech team were all over the servers. And, you know, we were expecting a spike. And we had planned ahead. But 
you know, we also knew that I think something like 95% of websites that had made it onto Dragon's Den crashed just due to the, to the traffic. So we were hopeful we'd get a crash because that would obviously mean that we've got a lot of traffic. And actually, what you know, you're one of many people that give us that great feedback. Um, and actually, a kind of interesting anecdote from running our TV ad last year, we had one or two customers actually quite upset that we were publicizing their go-to gift. Um, secret. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And this is kind of what it became. It was almost like a big secret for someone to tap into when a kind of gifting occasion came about. So, you know, word of mouth, online, offline, it's just we know it's there. Certainly the offline side is far harder to track. Um, but, you know, even with offline, uh, with online, we know there are lots of conversations going on, whether it's on Facebook or blogs and different sites um and you know that's that's testament to having a great product okay okay so um what are your core what are your most important customer acquisition channels now um in in lost my name um i think you know the main ones we focus on right now are facebook ads and uh paid search um and you know it's a case for us of we don't go after any particular channel we're constantly testing and learning which ones are working um and it's kind of we want to be where our customers are um so you know if that's paid search if that's facebook ads or anywhere else we know we have a great product um and we know when we get it in front of the right customer uh, they will buy um and you know as with any 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 business that's our aim i like the fact that you you test channels you know and it's not just um you know relying on, on any one channel okay um with regards to, I was, I was looking at your Periscope, and I was just looking at the the spread of orders from from um, by country. How important is international e-commerce or cross-border e-commerce to to Lost My Name? It's it's huge for us. Um, even in a complete uh, side project mindset, when we didn't really know where this is uh, where this is going, uh, and that that probably was our very first. Uh, business proposition or growth hack, if you will. Uh, as I was said, this book is going to be available for anyone in the world, wherever they are, and shipping is going to be free. Mm. Uh, and, and I think that this is still uh, a very strong uh, uh, growth driver for us. Uh, we have the evidence for that. Um, and even, you know, it, we, we, we've made it uh, available even before we had any idea if we are going, if, if we can make the economics work for it. Because obviously, uh, we started printing in the, uh, with, you know, a, a single print service provider in the UK and shipping to different places in the world uh, have a different, uh, obviously, cost structure. Um, but I think that's on the uh, very first year of these 22,000 uh, books that we sold uh, in the first holiday season, uh, we were already sold in about 60 or 70 countries. Mm. Um, and then uh, in 2014, uh, we've uh, we've continued that. We made the uh, we made the economics work. Uh, we branched out to more uh, local print providers. We now have about six or seven of them around the world. And you know, we we uh, I think that uh, you know the, the the web, the internet, democratized distribution. That's mm-hmm. what uh, everyone says. I think it also means that the web uh, democratizes or should democratize uh, global ambitions. And I, I always find it quite surprising that uh, I see a lot of e-commerce businesses that are still very local. 
mm-hmm. in a sense. Um, and for us, and I guess that it's easier when you are a print-on-demand business of so zero inventory. Mm-hmm. Um, it helps to uh, uh, make the decision to go global from day one a fairly a fairly easy one. It's it's a perfect product um, for for international um, e-commerce. I can't imagine if you're selling beds online. Um, to, 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 to actually pull that um, exactly. from day exactly. one. Exactly. Um, what about the, the future? Um, there's only so... Okay, yeah, yeah, so what about the future in the sense of um, the US? Do you, do you want more penetration in the US? It appears to be the second most popular country from your periscope. That's interesting because as far as I know, since the beginning, Beginning of uh, this year, USA is our biggest market. Didn't wow. correct me if I'm wrong. Okay. Uh, and that that was our uh, that is and was our ambition. One of the main reasons why we raised our capital uh, with USA partners uh, was to get more access and get closer to the networks uh, that will help us to scale in the USA. Okay. Um, I believe that in the USA alone, we, we should be able to sell a million books a year. And I guess, you know, going back to the uh, international or kind of global ambition, uh, I forgot to mention that the book is now available uh, in French, German, Spanish, Dutch, Italian. English is both kind of UK and American. And uh, in the next three to six months, we're going to roll it up for another five or six languages. And uh, yeah, USA is and should be our, our biggest market. And that's okay. before we started uh, to look at, you know, the likes of Korea, China, Japan, which will happen next year sometime. Okay, so, so when did you go multilingual? With, when did you roll out so many languages? Uh, we wrote the first uh, three uh, adaptations uh, mm. to uh, Dach, France and Spain in uh, November last year. Okay. okay. And what's been the impact given the fact, how has it grown um, the business? Have you seen, do you have any hard figures on on, on, on the impact of, um, of, of, of offering um, it in, in multiple languages? Uh, absolutely. I'm sure that you can uh, offer more kind of uh, overview of the numbers. Yeah, so I'm um, just going back to the US. So this year, US is our biggest um, market overall. I think the data you've seen, um, US is second just because of the kind of growth in the UK over the last few years. Mm. Going into the other language, other languages we operate in. So to give you an example of the sales numbers, um, Germany and Spain are the two biggest countries behind the States and the UK in terms of top sellers this year. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, France isn't far behind. So they've definitely taken off. Um, Germany in particular took us by surprise, the mm-hmm. amount of traction we picked up. You know, considering that um, there are certain e-commerce challenges in Germany around things like payment options, mm-hmm. um, which we are still looking to implement and improve on. So even given that, we've had a lot of success in Germany. Um, and, you know, we've recently launched um, into a few other languages and they've also gone really well. And I think some, something which I reflected on as we launch into each country is this is this is a brand new concept for, for a lot of these people. Mm. Um, you know, we myself, I know I've lost my name over the last 12 to 14 months. Um, but every time we launch into a new country, it's starting afresh. It's communicating the core product, and the, the emotion, the keepsake, the gift, giftness of it. Um, and you know, customers are really loving it. Um, mm. and I, I think there's just 
so much more we can do with this just with the existing product. I mean, your, your, your product is brilliant. I have to just say, we, we get, so the two people we, we gifted for their birthdays, you know, sent us special messages in thank you. That was very, very thoughtful. It's, it's just to the heart, if, if that makes you know, any sense. Right, let's go back to the, yeah, I, I found some, some interesting figures here on retention. And, well, um, 74%, at least from, from the data I have here, of your orders um, are for single books. And then um, another 18% um, are for two books. And then 5% for, for three books is single orders. How do you go about increasing average order value? That's actually an interesting one because we've been looking at it over the last kind of um, six to 12 months. And there does seem to be a difference by, kind of month by month and also by um, by country. Mm. So I think naturally there's something we're still trying to understand. Um, we know in Q4, for example, the um, books per order does pick up. Mm. Um, obviously, there's a lot more gifting going on. Um, so, you know, the work we do um, to try and increase that average order value, for example, we have an, a promotion on the site so that if you buy more than one book in a given order, you get a multiple book discount mm-hmm. um, just because of the economics around shipping. Um, and, you know, we're trying to surface that a lot more uh, throughout the customer journey at the moment. Conversion rate optimization is uh, kind of grow, of growing importance for us. We have a team now actively completely owning that and looking after that and really trying to push both conversion rate and order value as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I was going to also ask um, like um, your CRO test and how you identify customer areas, but I guess it would be someone else um, in, in there. Okay, so um, let's go back to, to your team. I, I was just having a look through the team page and as far as I could count, there were over 80 people. And it looks like a pretty fun place to, to work. How's, how's been the, the, the evolution of, of the team size? Depeche, you mentioned you, you were in when, when there were 10 last April. Um, so so how, how has it sort of scaled out to 80 or more? And um, yeah, I'll, I'll be interested to know, um, you know um, how the, the trajectory really on, on, on resources, on, on people really um, in, in Lost My Name. So now there's about uh, 50 people here in the London HQ uh, and about, uh, I'd say, 25 more kind of distributed uh, team members, mostly around our customer support, which is built around a uh, amazing network of uh, angels around the world, as they call them, um, which are uh, normally uh, stay-at-home moms who... um, can really have the flexibility of you know logging into uh, the uh, customer support uh, dashboard and uh, kind of dip in and out and help us uh, in, in different markets. Mm-hmm. The growth has been an interesting one, obviously. Uh, I think that since uh, the end of last year, we focused heavily on growing the product team, both the and, and, and the engineering team, I think, because we are a full-stack business uh, and because pretty much every aspect of the business runs on software, which uh, uh, which we design, develop, and, and, and iterate, there is a, a heavy bias towards uh, technologists in the business. I think there's about uh, nearly 20 of them uh, across the across the full stack, uh, and it can be you know from uh, like heavyweight uh, DevOps and print ops to uh, people who are doing uh, kind of computational art uh, mm-hmm. for our, for our new product and, and everything in between. Mm-hmm. Um, cause, uh, so is, 
you said that there are about 20 technologists. Are a significant portion of your team also into design? The reason I'm asking is it's a pleasure actually browsing through the site. It you know flows, whether it's mobile or on desktop. There's the buttons work. There's a flow. You've, you've certainly invested in design, not only in the book, but also on, on the website. So I was just curious to know on what portion of the team actually are into design. Probably about... Uh... 10 now i can say um but you um I, I think your observation is right we we are design and ux fanatics from from birth um and 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 we take it uh in a, in a quite holistic way so you know we are we are obsessed with execution uh with iteration and with just make, improving everything that we do and i guess you know going back to the more kind of uh, lean approach or, or i think that generally uh, there's a very even though we sell physical products, uh, there's a there's a there's a very strong uh, kind of software developed mindset uh, that runs across everything that we do in the business, and it's this idea that everything can be better. You know, there's no point in time where we say like uh, that's it, the code for the front end or the codes for the back end is is finished, it's ready, it's good. Um, we we obsessively iterate every aspect. of of the business and every possible touch point of the with the customers. So, and, and that includes, by the way, uh, you know, the physical book as well as the website. So, if you think about that, you know, we launched it in uh, the first iteration of the site in uh, April 2013. I think that both the website and the actual physical books that we're selling are about version eight or nine today. Okay. Um, and uh, you know, we have the advantage because the books, uh, you know, still live as a, uh, in, a in a in a digital format or you know, based on digital assets. Until the very last point where uh, somebody somebody is making a purchase and it's uh, there's a command to the server on the printer side to actually uh, uh, print the book, uh, because all the assets for the books are living uh, in a digital format in in our database, we can always improve, we can always iterate, we can always find ways to make uh, every touch point better. Okay, okay, uh, makes 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 a, a lot of sense. Um, I'm just going to finally wrap up. With regards to you know um, some some observations I made here, um, after I ordered on on lost my name, there was a pop on the survey. Depeche, do you mind um, answering how often people actually answer the survey and what kind of insights it it, it reveals? It by the way, the, the survey was um, can you answer a quick question to help us improve um, future products? How did you hear about us? And um, there were there were lo- loads of options: Facebook, friends, and other websites, um, search engines, and TV, newspaper, magazines. Sure. So I mean, we set that specifically up for our PR team to kind of gather um, data around our kind of press work. Um, we often run these surveys to learn about our customers, you know, pre and post purchase. Response rates actually vary. So, you know, pre purchase the response rate is lower, but we're talking at, you know, around twenty percent, which is actually quite good. Mm. Um, post purchase we can get up to kind of forty percent. So, you know, that survey gives us an ongoing benchmark of, you know, we can look at the analytics data and see where the traffic came through and where the purchase came through. But often, you know, people have heard about it through their friends or they've seen something on TV. And, you know, we we had a situation a few months ago where the Dragon's Den was rerun in Australia, for example. Um, And, you know, we were getting people coming into the site and buying and saying they heard about us through Dragon's Den, um, which, you know, just came out of nowhere. So it's it's a good way for us to 
tie in as many data points as possible um, to our marketing, whether it's online or offline. Interesting, very, very interesting. And then um, for, for account creation, I was not asked to create an account. Um, it was like a, a, desk, a, a guest checkout. Um, was it deliberate? Um, is this powered by data? or? No, I think it's powered by um, having too many things to do. Um, it's certainly something that we're continuously looking at. You know, it's it, e-commerce best practices are there to offer um, you to, especially if you're a returning customer, to log in and retrieve your details, et cetera, et cetera. So they're all things that we are looking at. Um, and, and, you know, this is part of the reason why we're growing so um, aggressively in terms of team size. Mm-hmm. We, we, we just need resources to help us kind of bulk up and work on all these priority projects. Good stuff, good stuff. And then um, finally, your referral marketing program. Um, it's it's amazing. I, I think as um refer three three people and then it gets a book completely free shipped to your um shipped to you is this working um are you finding um lots of customers bringing in more customers um existing customers bringing in new customers as a result of the fact that they get a, a completely different book with all the characters um shipped to them for free yeah absolutely i mean we we know that the uh, redemption rates of the cards that we gave out in the um books that were purchased were kind of being used. It was a case of kind of how do we bring that online and enable us to track it a lot better. So, you know, of those people that are referred, conversion rates are between 25 and 40%. Wow. So, you know, that word of mouth, we, we can now put a metric against it and say, you know what, if we do get people to refer us, that is going to convert into sale. Um, and, you know, we, we're getting a lot of outliers where customers are referring up to 70, 80, 90 people. And it's, it's just mind-blowing. Um, but, you know, these people are completely bought into what we're doing. They're spreading it on their social networks, on their blog posts, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, we knew that people love the product, you know, like, like you've also said. But we can now also put some numbers behind it and say, you know what, this is, this is actually um, some, some hard data behind that. But because on, on – so, okay, so, so on average, um, how many customers would, would an average customer refer um, – you know, how many customers on average would, would an average existing customer refer – Lost yeah, I think, I, I think um, you know, most of them will refer between kind of one and five. It, it will kind of vary. Um, and, you know, that's, that's something we're still learning and developing. Um, you know, the program launched it, pretty much as everything else does within the business. It is a minimum viable product to see how quickly we can get something out and then grow it from that. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's loads more we need to learn and develop off the back of that. But, you know, the work we've done so far has been a big success um, and it can only get better. One to five is a fantastic number. Um, given the fact that it's, there's hardly any retention in, in the business, um, just due to the fact it's a single product, but the fact that there's word of mouth and you know one person can get one to five people to buy, it's, it just speaks itself in terms of product market fit and the, the kind of products you guys have. Absolutely. Okay, okay so, so wrapping up and final words, please. Um, Asi, what advice can you give to listeners keen on building fast growth e-commerce ventures? Wow, um, I honestly don't feel in a position to give such a such an advice, but uh, I'll, <laughs> I'll try. I think I, you know. I still I think that the, you know, the, the, it's 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 not uh, it's not the e-commerce part that I you know feel that I can um, properly comment on. But I think that uh, our our story and our growth uh, proves a couple of things. A that um, 
execution is everything. And if you're doing something that is better than anything else that is in the market, uh, it will it will take off. And I think that you know it, it, the, the 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 first uh, advice that anyone who's asking me now, I'm telling them just focus on execution. Just do something that is absolutely brilliant. Um, and if it's not, it it it, it, it might take off, but it will. Uh, be much more difficult for you to uh, to push it forward. It will be much more costly for you to uh, uh, to acquire customers. Um, the other thing, which I think is more important, is that is is that there, there are enough opportunities. You can really build a business. You can really validate something. Really put up something out there without um, taking a huge risk of you know leaving your job, raising capital. Uh, I, I think that you know there are enough platforms. We are, you know, living in the, uh, uh, you know, the generation of Kickstarters and uh, and Indiegogo, and mm-hmm. there's so many routes to markets today that will allow you to quickly and cheaply validate uh, any ideas. So if anyone is sitting on on on, on half baked idea and think that you know what that could be my dream business mm-hmm. or that could be my, just go and do it, uh, and don't you know don't hurry up to just like park everything, leave your job, take big risks, you know, take big loans from the bank. Or mm-hmm. um, There are so many steps that you can do before that to, uh, to get some evidence, to get some traction, to get some uh, uh, you know, signal that you are on, the, on, on, on a right track. And I can tell you in, from both rounds now that when you are coming to conversations with investors, uh, when you prove the product market fit, when you're already uh, generating revenue, and definitely if you're profitable, uh, it makes your life much, much easier. Okay. Okay. So I'll just summarize, execute, validate, get that product market fit, and then look for, for, for funding if, if you need it. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Good advice. Great, great advice. Tepesh, what advice can you give to our listeners looking to find and nurture growth levers? I think, you know, the key thing for me is really understand your differentiators. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if I reflect at the a few startups I've been at previously that didn't quite find traction. You know, we found marketing channels. We were bringing in customers. Um, but when you struggle to find that differentiator between yourself and someone else, mm. you know, a lot of these other companies have bigger budgets than you. They've been doing this a lot longer. Um, and it's, it's really a case of finding your niche for that customer. Why should that customer care about you? Um, and I think that was quite easy to find at Lost My Name, which really helped us to accelerate your growth and you know without that we'd have really struggled to mm. cut through mm-hmm. all about differentiation okay all right um let's talk books actually what single book or resource would you recommend it could be anything um to our listeners um i'm going to keep it wide um it doesn't have to be business it'd be anything any book that's so changed your life single book uh, you caught me off guard here. There's so many. I don't know which which one to uh, which one to choose. Professionally, uh, spiritually. <laughs> okay, let's let, let's when say we... professionally. Okay, um, business in in business. Um, my my current bible is uh, Creativity Inc. Uh, by Ed Catmull, the uh, founder and CEO of uh, of Pixar. Okay. Um, it is by far, I, you know, I, I wasn't really in the market for, uh, leadership, uh, books, uh, until very recently. Mm. Um, and I've read quite a few and they were quite underwhelming, but, uh, creativity by Ed Catmull is by far, uh, I think the best, uh, leadership and creativity book that is out there. Creativity. And then Depeche, what single book would you, has changed, change your outlook? 
Um, actually, it's a book that I was introduced to by someone about five years ago, maybe mm. four or five years ago, um, and it got me into uh, taking an interest into behavioral psychology and kind mm. of behavioral science. And it was a book by Dan Ariely, uh, Predictably Irrational. Oh, yes. Um, it, it's, just, it's just amazing to think how much you can influence and shape people's thinking uh, by your communications, physical, mental, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and that just opened up a whole new field for me of interest. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, 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 you know, I just concur with you with regards to psychology and marketing and just you know, the impact, the power. It's a superpower really to, to have. It okay. is. Right. Okay. So, um, what, um, actually just this, this final thing before, before we, 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 we sign out, um, what five indispens what, what are your five indispensable tools um, for, for managing lost my name, um, marketing tools, productivity tools, any, you know, any tools, software tools. Uh, we're big fans of Slack, like, Slack. Uh, okay. like uh, m- many, many people. Absolutely. Um, I find it brilliant. Um, and I guess that on all kind of optimization, Deepesh would be the best uh, person to ask. And Deepesh. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I'd, I'd go one step further on Slack that there are actually, uh, communities of uh, kind of slackers out there. Um, so, for example, there's one called Tech London, and, and it's a great way to network and kind of tap into uh, local knowledge. Um, mm-hmm. There's other kind of networks out there as well. Um, but, you know, other tools like, um, you know, we're big users of Google Drive, so Docs, Sheets, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, most of our work's done there. It just kind of helps to keep things collaborative and uh, in sync. Um, I think social feeds, keeping up with news updates, you know, I use Hootsuite, others mm-hmm. use TweetDeck. It's just so important to kind of sort out that uh, noise out there to try and just make some sense of it. Um, you know, another tool is Trello. Um, we use Trello a lot in the business to help um, run through projects and programs and things like that. Um, and I guess, you know, Google Analytics, Periscope, which you've mentioned, which mm-hmm. plugs into our backend database and visualizes our data. Um, you know, those kind of tools are just so important when you need to know uh, but you don't have the time to really hack together Excel sheets um, to just tap into uh, data quite quickly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, okay. All sounds good. Sounds sounds good. I'm going to link to every one of these resources in, in the show notes. Okay. Um. So finally, 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 how could um our our audience or our listeners um reach out to you, find you guys, and and connect? Uh, Twitter is always great. Uh, we always respond uh, fairly quickly for everyone who's reaching out to us on Twitter. Okay. What's, what's your handle? Uh, mine is at Asi underscore Sharabi. Okay. okay. And Depesh, what's yours? Uh, mine's Depesh M. Okay. Depesh M. Okay. Right. Um, we'll connect to, to you guys. It's been an absolute pleasure having you both on the show, Asi and um, Depesh. And um, thank you for sharing your insights on starting, growing and scaling a business. Thank you for having us. Thanks for having us. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this episode of 2X e-commerce. To help you get more actionable insights and e-commerce growth hacks that will help you 2X your online retail business, hop over to 2xecommerce.com. It's a blog dedicated to e-commerce and multi-channel marketing run by the show's host, Kunle Campbell. 2xecommerce.com is packed full of articles and guides to help increase traffic to your store, increase repeat purchases, and average order value. Thanks for listening. Visit 2xecommerce.com.